Blog Talk Radio. Good morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dyes, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquenceOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? The name of the episode today is A Picture of Culture. Because before we talk about the performance culture that I think brands should embrace, that, that idea that you are on stage, that you are putting on a live performance for your audience of potential and existing customers, members, and clients, just call them your audience. Had a conversation with somebody the other day about the customer versus member um, thing in credit unions, and it's like, well, I prefer member owner or audience. It just it sums it up so well. You don't have to qualify it. Potential existing uh, might be, might not be the audience, the people that see and hear, and if you're lucky, share with other people what you do in a good way. And when things don't go well. In a bad way, embrace a performance culture, and you won't have to worry about the latter. You can simply manage the former and enjoy the great brand loyalty that you will find, the way bands have loyalty, the way people are loyal to certain bands. I was always surprised. I had the most mild-mannered friend that worked at a big credit union down in San Antonio, and just outwardly, just the most mild-mannered, nine-to-fiver you could ever want to meet. She was crazy about Metallica. You could not convince her that there was not a better band in the world than Metallica. And yet to look at her, you would never know. I love that about music. I love the loyalty that people feel towards their favorite band the way I do to Rush. There is no band that could come along now and make me say, okay, I like them better. Than Rush. Never has. Dave Matthews and U2 flip-flop sometimes for the number two spot on my list of favorite bands, uh, but nobody can displace Rush. It's just, it's loyalty. So culture, a culture performance precipitates that kind of loyalty. Before we get going today, I want to send a quick shout out to Chris Jacobson up at the Minnesota Credit Union Network. Minnesota is all in on the Open Your Wallet campaign that Kuna is doing, the Open Your Eyes campaign. Now, Minnesota did kick it off during the polar vortex, so if you opened your eyes to a credit union in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area or anywhere in the beautiful Midwest, Minnesota being a big part of that, um, you might go blind. So uh, don't open your eyes to a credit union during a polar vortex, but if you're so inclined, that's your business. Um, But folks, Chris and I had a very... Socratic, um, gentlemanly debate. And unlike the beta males at CUNA, Chris Morris and Ryan Donovan, 
he did not shrink from defending what he cared about. This guy was passionate. Chris, I mean. Um, Chris was passionate. He is exceptionally well-informed and perfectly suited to be the ambassador for, for this endeavor as, uh, as CUNA and the Minnesota Credit Union Network go forward to uh, convince people to open their eyes to a credit union near you. Hey, you know what? It's a free market. It's a free marketplace. We are all free men and women. We can say what we want. And um, I got to say, I really respect. I don't agree with everything that Chris Jacobson said, but there's a lot of things that fit that criteria. We don't agree on everything, but he was an absolute gentleman, and um, I wish him and his team the absolute very best. I spoke for the Minnesota Credit Union Network many years ago. I was the guy that was actually dynamic and funny and at times hilarious. I was not the guy in your conference brochure who promised to be all those things and then came out with the 6,000 slides and put you to sleep. And um, No, I was actually the, the, the person that lived up to the expectations in the little paragraph description below my, below my uh, photography-made picture there in the conference conference brochure. And so what would happen a lot of times after those events, because of my unparalleled greatness in the, I'm just kidding, uh, in the keynote, or I, I was never, I'm just going to say this because it's important. They, why, why would you listen to somebody talking about a culture of performance if he himself had not been a successful performer? Um, whenever those associations and organizations did a thing with the, uh, the people that were there, the attendees, filled out those evaluations and ranked the best speaker, there was never a moment where I wasn't the best. And as my mom says, it's not bragging if it's true. Well, anyway. I would uh, very, very routinely get additional offers. Hey, can you come to our uh, credit union and speak? Can you come to our bank and speak? Can you come to our chapter and speak? Or can you come to our – we have a meeting of professionals. We'd, we'd love to sponsor and have you come out. And I would also get offers to do classroom training, what I called being in the U. You know, they would have the desks set up in kind of a U, and I would walk around and facilitate this training session on um, generations of uh, generational marketing and management, military matters, and just any kind of stuff, any kind of stuff, um, always about applying something to make your performance better. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it was more intimate. It was easier to see and, and talk to people about things. I never did the cheesy videos, you know, 10 steps to a better credit union. I never wanted to be the guy on the, on, on the, on the book that was collecting dust, you know, up there with the three ring binders. Hey, where'd you get that? Oh, I got that at a conference 15 years ago. I never wanted to be that guy. Well, one of the things I would do before you could talk about a culture of anything was to see if people really understood what it was. Because I wasn't even sure. I did. I mean, when you're a company of one, it's hard to, to say, oh, our culture is this. Our culture is whatever I am. You know, this brown guy broadcasting from his spare bedroom in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. And so I would say, uh, there's a piece of paper and a, a, a pencil. Draw up a picture of your branch where you work every day. And yeah, people would, some people would, you know, like an architect, draw these beautiful renditions. And and some people would, you know, just you could see, hey, there's a there's a there's a branch with the name on it. Okay, great. Then I would say, draw your culture. And there would be just like there was right there, an audible pause. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, the example I used to use was uh, I live here in Texas, obviously, and years and years ago, 
10 years now, um, my, my father-in-law came home with a brand new, beautiful Ford F-150 crew cab. He had traded in his little pickup truck for this gorgeous Ford F-150. This thing was bigger than my first apartment. Just beautiful, gas-guzzling, ozone-depleting Ford F-150. I mean, you could get the entire cast of Riverdance in the back seat. And I mean, it's just, well... I live in a neighborhood where there's some space between the homes, and it's not like when I was a kid. You don't know every one of your neighbors. Um, they're nice. They're cordial. There's certain people you see from time to time. Uh, my son went to a private Christian school, so we didn't even know the kids at the bus stop or their families for that matter. And so it, it, you didn't really know people. Well, my father pulls up, and because my studio fronts the, the street, not, it wasn't 10 minutes. It was within two minutes. Like zombies, men, it's the middle of the day, doesn't anybody work anymore, start walking out of their homes to come see this truck. And I thought, that's, that's Texas culture. That is, that is what they mean by a certain culture in Texas. I'm not sure that would have happened in Minneapolis or in Tiverton, Rhode Island, or Fall River, Massachusetts. It, it was just a unique thing to see. However, for today's show, um, since I don't have a picture of my father's Ford F-150, and I don't want to offend the uh, global warming people um, still doing their research in the American Midwest, Midwest amongst the polar vortex, I want to instead use a picture that I think shows culture where it matters the most in the American military, where the stakes are much, much higher than a balance sheet. And now this picture, and if you, if you don't have it, it's in the episode description. I encourage you to take a screenshot of it or find a way to see it afterwards or uh, find a way to listen to the show and look at the picture at the same time because I believe this picture captures perfectly the culture of the American military. And I'm going to explain why that is and what you're seeing in this picture if you've never been in the military. And we'll do it all right after this. Listen live or listen later. This is the power of performance. All right. Picture of culture. Folks, if you've ever seen those Stolen Valor videos and you've wondered why uh, a, a former American soldier, airman, or marine, or sailor can spot somebody wearing a uniform that they have no business wearing, that is the military culture. I can look at someone and immediately know if they're really in the military. So people that try to put on these fake uniforms and don't know where things go, um, that's why it's called a uniform because there's only one way to wear it. I do not know. Um, it's, I think I can figure out her last name on her above her uh, left chest pocket there. You'll see it on her sappy vest. Or in this case, I think that's just a standard flak vest. But I want to start going from head to toe. I used this picture for a session I used to do called Girl Power, um, the emergence of the female decision maker in the American household. And I used to do that session way back when. Last time I did it was at a MAC conference in Long Island. And um, But what I want to st start with the, where we're looking at, she's got the familiar Kevlar helmet that's familiar to all Americans. But if you notice, um, her chin strap is 
right on her chin where it's supposed to be. She's got goggles on. I, I, before you accuse me of because of my switch to Harry's razors from Gillette that I'm suffering from toxic masculinity, this assumption I'm making I will explain to you. But I think she's probably in a support role um, in some kind of maybe a transportation company or something like that. She's got her goggles, which are necessary given the prevailing climatic conditions in Iraq. I'm almost certain this is in Iraq. And if you look closely, you'll see like a black elastic thing. That's to cover those goggles at night so they don't give off a glare when she's driving very likely, if she is a driver, with night vision goggles, which you see the clips uh, right above her eyes. Those little clips hanging down is where you affix the night vision goggles. Working our way down in her uniform, this great culture of the American military, on her right shoulder, on the left side of the picture, as you're looking at it, She's got the familiar American flag exactly where it's supposed to be. This is important, though. Below, you see the familiar, the familiar. What's up, Clarksville? My buddy's out in Clarksville uh, in Middle Tennessee. The familiar 101st, Screaming Eagles of the 101st Airborne Division. Now, that on her right shoulder indicates that she's already been deployed. This is not her first deployment. That's why I think this is probably OIF-2, maybe 2006, 2007, maybe even 2005 time frame. And if you look on the left shoulder, you can see on her left, where her left bicep would be. Um, I can't tell if that's also the 101st, um, but she's whoever she's been de she's deployed with now, she's been deployed before. Um, look at the nature of her unit. Uniform. Look how perfectly put together it is. Although there's nobody else in the frame, everybody else would look exactly the same way. That is culture. That is where everybody knows what the standards are. There's something just beautifully American about this picture. And if you think about it as the culture of the military, it is so easy to see. There's some other things that are worth noting. Look how she's holding her um, M4 carbine. The re another reason I think she's probably in a support company is if you look closely at the handrail on that M4, you don't see any optics. Now, look, it's just the way it is. I was a trigger puller um, during the Gulf War, and very few of us had any optics on the rail. Uh, but look at where her finger is, exactly where it's supposed to be, near the trigger but not on the trigger because she learned that like everybody else did in basic training. Even if she is a truck driver, she is a soldier first. And the weapon that she has there, if any of those guys in the background uh, decide to start some trouble, believe me, that, that weapon, we don't call them guns in the military, um, that weapon is perfectly capable of reaching out and touching someone at that distance. My only, my only critique is I never used a strap on my rifle. I find they get in the way, and um, you're, you're really not allowed to carry your weapon on your shoulder that way anyway, but she's got hers on a strap. It's wrapped around her. I've just never been crazy about that. Um, something else you'll notice, if you look where her finger is pointing, her right index finger, look up and just to the right of it, um, that is where, if she has to fire that weapon, the spent casings are ejected from. Well, she's closed that. Now, either she does not have a, a round in the chamber because as soon as you pull that hammer back, that little door will flop, flap down. It'll open. And But in Iraq, again, with the pre prevailing climatic conditions, uh, it's a good idea to keep that closed so your weapon doesn't jam when you need it. And But just take a look at that picture. She's just so put together. There's something just, to me, this is a great example of culture. 
Everyone in the military would recognize the patch, the helmet, the uniform, the, the grip on, on, the, on the weapon, the way she's holding it. There's just something so perfect about it. And the other thing that, that tells me that she might be in a support company is if you look closely at that M4, there's some, there's some scarring on it. it this, this has got us some miles. This rifle has some miles on it. This weapon has some miles on it. Um, but a beautiful, beautiful weapon, the adjustable stock. I really like that. I prefer a 7.62 caliber weapon, but 5.56 is the uh, preferred carbine of the American military. This is a picture of culture. This is what the military culture is all about. Nobody wants to be out of uniform in the company of other soldiers, and this is a perfect example of it. Even if this young lady is in a supply company, she is ready, um, she is well-trained, and uh, like I said, it's, it's hard to draw a picture of culture, so I thought I would share one with you. Uh, my name is Jason Dice. You've been listening to The Power Performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Until next we speak, I'll talk to you all next week.